an end to the war on coal. More than 250 years worth of clean, beautiful coal. American energy dominance. These energy exports will create countless jobs for our people. We'll start winning, winning, winning. And you are going to be very proud. And for those miners, get ready because you're going to be working your asses off, all right? Thank you, everybody. The Bureau of Labor Statistics says the actual number of coal jobs created since last year has been just 1,300. It's worth noting that coal mining jobs have also been declining for decades. Coal industry jobs declined at roughly the same rate as careers in the Zeppelin industry and babies named Adolf. The second thing I think is for us to do our best work as an industry and in collaboration with the government to skill the people of the United States for the jobs of the future. Uh, figure out ways to retrain and upskill workers all over the U.S. Coding should be a requirement in every public school. My administration is embracing a new spirit of innovation that will make life better for all Americans. We have a huge deficit in the uh, skills that we need today versus uh, the skills that are there. My name is Henry Kronk. I'm with eLearning Inside News, and in collaboration with CKUT 90.3 FM, I am proud to present Code Burst. In the practice of coal mining, there's something known as rock burst. It happens in deep mines and tunnels around the world. Deep drilling causes the rock to shift and buckle. Shards can unexpectedly burst from the tunnel walls, injuring or killing miners. Code Burst is a story about a violent, unexpected shift in the structure of the global economy. It involves the growing skills gap, the growing tech industry, the growing obsolescence of higher education, and one married couple who either tried to make a difference or tried to make a buck. This is a story about trust. Before I get to Mind Minds, the coding bootcamp that is the subject of this story, I'm going to kick things off with a little context. The cost of attending college around the world is going up. Last May, a Yale website published a report by demographer Joseph Chami detailing how student debt, even in countries where a university is free of cost, can make a university education prohibitively expensive. Quote, intuition-free Sweden, for example, Students borrow money as frequently as American students do. About 70% have student loans. And Swedish students graduate with about $20,000 in debt. End quote. In the U.S., the cost of private university tuition has doubled in the past 30 years. At public universities, it's tripled. And there's this other thing that's going on. You know, there's a lot of debate back and forth among economists. Is there a skill gap? Is there not a skill gap? I think when you think about it in the aggregate across the United States, you can debate it, but uh, unquestionably at the local level, there are skills gaps. There are cities uh, that are hiring, they're hiring quickly, they've got fast-growing industries, and they don't have the talent uh, with the requisite skills to take on those roles. 
On top of this, universities aren't doing a great job of preparing students for the workforce. A 2014 study found that half of all graduates say their university degrees did not prepare them for the working world. Facing record tuition and a university system that doesn't exactly get you ready for a job, and entering a workforce where there's supposedly a huge skills gap, who wouldn't want to seek out an alternative form of education? That's where coding boot camps come in. The gist of coding boot camps is that students take an intensive boot camp-like course on computer programming. When they graduate, they'll be able to work as web developers, software developers, or in some other role in the tech industry. Institutions like the Flatiron School or Hack Reactor charge around the ticket price of a 2018 Toyota Corolla and bring learners from zero to employable full-stack software engineer in a matter of weeks. Most coding boot camps are for-profit businesses, and like many past and future for-profit educators, a good many have defrauded their students. In fact, the Flatiron School is considered by some to have the best integrity and reputation among coding boot camps. They pioneered graduate success self-reporting, in their own words at least, and they were a partner on the Obama administration's tech hire initiative, which is ongoing. The effort provided $100 million in grants to help Americans pursue a job in tech. But last fall, they paid a $375,000 settlement to the state of New York for operating without a license and misrepresenting their students' success rates. In other words, they were really proud about how honest they were, and then they had to pay a hefty fee for lying. And the thing is, it's not just coding boot camps. For-profit educators in general don't have exactly a great track record. Going back to school, a recent federal probe revealed that students who enroll in for-profit schools received more than $20 billion in federal aid last year. And now they're defaulting on those loans at an alarming rate. In addition, federal investigators went undercover and met with school recruiters who oversold the amount of money students can expect to earn. The scrutiny the Obama administration turned on for-profit educators resulted in hundreds of millions of dollars in settlements, and the outright closure of two major for-profit educators, Corinthian Colleges and ITT Technical Institute. Other notable perps were the University of Phoenix and DeVry University. And, uh, oh yeah, there was also this thing. This was the promise of Trump University when it launched, direct from the university chairman's own mouth. At Trump University, we teach success. That's what it's all about, success. It's going to happen to you. Trump University took in an estimated $40 million from people who believed they too could someday become successful. Uh, we started looking at Trump University and uh, discovered that it was a classic bait-and-switch scheme. It was a scam starting with the fact that it was not a university. One factor that continues to drive students to nonprofit universities, despite the high cost and the poor payoff, is trust. Students, and parents who are willing and able to pay for tuition, trust public universities to provide them with a good education. Nonprofit educators simply don't defraud their students to anywhere near the same degree as for-profits. So when a coding boot camp comes along that is offered for free, potentially includes an agreement for employment upon a graduation, and is located in an economically distressed region, you really would hope that you can trust them. And that is where Mind Minds comes in. 
Meet Jonathan Graham and his spouse, Amanda Locker, founders of Mind Minds, a training center to teach coal miners and others how to write the computer code needed to create websites, apps, and everything on a computer. I know it might sound like a stretch at first, but these people are hardworking, they're dedicated, they're meticulous. The, the decisions they make in the mine are life and death decisions. So they take that sort of thought process into their code, and they're so good. Locker says learning to write computer code is a guaranteed ticket to a job. Do most of your graduates find a job? Every single one of them, yes. Every single one of your graduates? <laughs> they all find a job. To most of us, it looks like gibberish. Did you know any of this stuff before this class? Uh, none of it. Absolutely zero. But knowing computer code can mean big bucks. With the skills that we give them in our class, $200, $250 an hour out in California or Chicago. Wait a minute, $200, $250 an hour? Exactly. A far cry from the coal mines. John Delano, KDKA TV News. You heard that right. Mind Minds is a coding boot camp based in the Appalachia region of the U.S., and they're training out-of-work coal miners how to code. They also offer their training for free. This story might sound really specific, but I actually think it has pretty broad appeal. Right now, a lot of people would have you believe that if you're looking to improve your socioeconomic situation, and this applies to anyone in the world, you can undergo a short, intensive training period and find employment in the tech industry. It kind of sounds like a global version of the American dream. But as with anything that sounds too good to be true, there's a lot lurking under the surface with Mind Minds. Existing news coverage got a lot of it wrong. I found out a lot of my own, and there's even more that I still don't know. According to reporter John Delano, MindMinds was providing their coding boot camp, which normally costs thousands of dollars in cities, for free. These guys seemed really good. But that's not how I first encountered MindMinds. My first introduction to the coding boot camp was a story that a colleague shared with me. The title reads, In Appalachia, coding boot camps that aim to retrain coal miners increasingly show themselves to be new-collar grifters. It was written by Elizabeth Catt and put out by Belt Magazine in mid-January of this year. The story reads, A recent class action lawsuit filed in West Virginia against a retraining program that promised unemployed coal miners a foothold in the tech industry offers a cautionary tale to those banking on the rise of a silicon holler. At least 60 plaintiffs in the suit allege that coding boot camp operators Mind Minds, a Pennsylvania-based nonprofit organization, provided inadequate training and failed to place trainees in paid apprenticeship programs, which many believed would be a cornerstone of the experience. It seemed like a confluence of cliches to me. An overpromising, under-delivering tech training startup meets the Appalachian carpetbaggers rolling through town in the wake of a bankrupt mining company looking to prey on the disenfranchised. 
I started reading other articles and interviews. It wasn't just Kat's story that didn't completely add up. There were glaring inconsistencies across the board. CBS reported that the two founders funded the boot camp with their own money, while two local sources said that the cost of enrollment was supplemented or provided entirely by the Pennsylvania Department of Labor. PBS quotes the co-founders saying that they don't use any federal or state grants in 2016, but the Appalachian Regional Commission, a federal body, provided a grant of $1.5 million that was to be split with another software development training organization called Central App less than a year later. The grant stipulated that the two educators, quote, work together to provide courses and certifications needed to qualify for high-demand technology jobs, enabling participants to work locally for companies that can be located anywhere in the world. On November 17th of last year, the CBS Pittsburgh affiliate KDKA released an investigative report. It took a different tone from the previous stories. These are the same guys you heard just a second ago with investigative reporter John Delano. Promised a lifeline to unemployed coal miners and others looking for a fresh start. But it appears that a government-funded computer coding training company may have overpromised and underdelivered leaving former students high and dry and still looking for a job. Here is KDK investigator Andy Sheehan. It seemed like a great program, training unemployed minors and underemployed others. We'll go through together, we'll get the environment set up. At computer coding boot camps like this one, a nonprofit government-aided company called Mind Minds told our John Delano in February that their graduates were launching new careers in computer programming. When Mind Minds offered training to underemployed young people in Allegheny County, Max Pakrapowitz, who worked at Sam's Club, jumped at the chance. I didn't really expect to get a high-paying job, but just an entry-level job to get me in the field. But it didn't turn out that way. Max and Brian Lewis went through the Mind Minds coding camp here at the tech shop at Bakery Square and say they were promised a four- to six-month apprenticeship to give them the practical experience necessary to land a job. But after just 13 days, Mind Minds laid Max off and terminated Brian's apprenticeship after just three days. I felt like I did all this, all this work and like I was really becoming part of uh, the company. And out of nowhere, out of absolutely nowhere, they just shot everything down. All they said was that there were circumstances that were beyond our control and nothing we could have done to avoid it. Um, anytime I would ask for more information, they wouldn't give any. They weren't the only ones left high and dry. According to other former students I've spoken with, of 20 who started the boot camp, only seven graduated. And of those seven, six were quickly let go. The boot camp, funded with a $71,000 grant from the Pennsylvania Department of Labor and Industry, appears to be a bust. The first KDKA report, which came out in the spring of 2017, was incredibly optimistic. Speaking with John Delano, Locker said, quote, with the skills that we give them in our class, $200, $250 an hour out in California and Chicago, end quote. Andy Sheehan reports that, quote, when KDKA questioned the claims on their voicemail, Locker and her co-founder, Jonathan Graham, didn't return the phone calls for several weeks. Eventually, they scheduled an interview, but then canceled the night before, end quote. Instead, they sent an email reading the following. 
It is unfortunate that some of the participants have not been able to take advantage of their skills yet, but given the number of job openings in the technology sector, there will be many opportunities for them to transition into tech careers. For the record, this matched my own experience with trying to get in touch with MindMinds. When I began my initial reporting, I got Jonathan Graham on the phone. He agreed to an interview later that day, but when the time came, he wouldn't answer my calls. I got through to them later, but for now I'm going to focus on the reporting of MindMinds and how much different reports vary and contradict one another. Back to Andy Sheehan's report. He went to visit MindMinds, where he found, quote, one of only two miners in Pennsylvania to complete the training and now working in computer technology. That was Josh McNett. The other one is Amanda Locker's brother, Marvin. After two years in operation in Greene County, McNett concedes few unemployed miners have signed up for training at Mind Mines. The problem is, is miners don't want to come to the class because they think the coal mines are coming back. They don't want retraining. That's the problem. And in subsequent emails, Mind Mines now say they're ending their training in Pennsylvania. Forced to quit, they say, because of a cease and desist letter from the State Department of Education demanding they be licensed as a school. The Department of Ed says rather than requesting a hearing or applying for a license, Mind Mind has folded its operations here. Just to clarify here, that report came from KDKA Pittsburgh. They're a local CBS affiliate, and they also broadcast that report I played earlier with reporter John Delano. Both reports focused on Mind Mind's operations in Pennsylvania. The report you just heard aired on November 17, 2017. On November 18th, a day later, the nationally broadcast CBS Evening News put out their own story on Mind Minds, which focused on their operations in West Virginia. The coal industry has lost more than 40% of its workforce in recent years. Out-of-work miners have had to find jobs in other fields. Weijia Jang tells us about a program in West Virginia that has miners carving out new careers in the bedrock of the computer industry. In Boone County, West Virginia, coal mining has provided work for seven generations of Billy Jack Buzzard's family. When did you become a coal miner? Uh, 18 years old. Right out of high school? Yes, ma'am. Three years ago, Buzzard lost his job at this coal plant. It was horrible, you know. I, I, I got laid off, lost my vehicle, lost my house. Did you have a plan B? No, there was no plan B. But the 29-year-old found one in June, swapping his hard hat for a laptop. You go to this website. He was accepted into a free training program called Mind Minds that teaches former coal miners to become computer coders, creating apps, websites, and games. This automates all that. Founder Amanda Locker started the nonprofit in Pennsylvania in 2015 because her younger brother was worried about losing his coal mining job. In just a few months, we realized, oh my gosh, they're actually really good. They're doing stuff. They're going off and learning stuff that I didn't even know yet. U.S. Senator Joe Manchin invited the group to his state. We saw that, and we, we called him and said, would you come to our jobs fair? Manchin helped Mind Minds establish headquarters near West Virginia's capital with federal grants. Do you think coding is a game changer for West Virginia? I think it gives us a chance. Weijia Jang, CBS News, Clendenin, West Virginia. Clendenin, West Virginia, is 150 miles away from Waynesburg, Pennsylvania. These two reporters, who work for the same company, probably crossed paths when they were driving. 
They should have gotten lunch. Later in December, WVVA, an NBC affiliate based in West Virginia, reported the class action lawsuit that Elizabeth Catt wrote about for Belt. Their report wasn't positive. Speaking to WVVA reporter Annie Moore, one of the two defendants in the suit who have gone public, Ty Cook, said the following. Quote, we became suspicious on day one when we learned there was no pay. We were told to quit our jobs, but come every day to still study. Later on, we did research in the tech world and realized we don't have the skills people are asking for with these tech jobs, end quote. As more reports, quote, Cook quit the program in November and Victoria Frame followed suit. As Cook said, quote, we got more suspicious when we saw articles where there were issues in Pennsylvania and the company's problems there. That's when I became very concerned about my future with MindMinds, end quote. Amanda Locker told Moore a different version of the story. Quote, Tori and Ty were both within days of completing the initial training and were to be offered a paid apprenticeship position upon completion. The dating couple both dropped out of class in support of Tori's mother, who was asked to leave the class because of unprofessional behavior, sexual harassment, and sexual assault complaints from four different team members while traveling to a tech conference in Europe. We have written complaints on file as well as the record of a detailed letter asking Stephanie not to return to class, end quote. But when pressed on whether any of the team members filed police reports, Locker said the matter was handled internally. That's Annie Moore's reporting right there. The plaintiff's lawyer responded to those allegations, saying one of the team members Locker is referring to denies he was sexually harassed or assaulted. In fact, he said he too has joined the class action suit seeking damages from Mind Minds. I know this is a lot of information, so I'm just going to summarize the questions I have at this point. The biggest one for me is, how are these guys funding their operation? One thing that a lot of news reports don't state explicitly is that Mind Minds isn't just a coding boot camp. They also operate as a tech consultancy firm. Part of the deal with completing their program, as far as I can tell, is that if you pass, they'll hire you on and pay you to complete contract work for their clients. So that's one source of income. But I have a hard time believing that provides enough revenue to both pay their workers and keep the lights on. People close to Mind Minds have also confirmed for me that, at least at the beginning, they weren't bringing in a huge amount of business. From the start, the co-founders have said that they provide the course entirely for free, but other news reports have stated that they received federal grants, either directly or indirectly, and their students have also paid for the course through something called the PA Career Link. I'll go far more in-depth into this in subsequent episodes. My second question, what is going on with the lawsuit? On the one hand, someone is clearly lying. Two of the plaintiffs, Ty Cook and Tori Frame, allege they were made certain promises. The co-founders say that no promises were made. The lawsuit comes from ex-students in West Virginia. Ex-students from Pennsylvania made very similar claims against Mind Minds to KDKA reporter Andy Sheehan. And the co-founders shot back with sexual harassment allegations against Tori's mom. What is going on with that? My third question. How many people are actually a part of this lawsuit? The founders say that it's just the two plaintiffs named by WVVA, Frame and Cook, but Elizabeth Katz says 60 plaintiffs are named in the suit. 
My fourth question is, how successful are MindMinds graduates? Locker says that every one of their graduates has a job in the tech industry. KDKA reports that two students who completed the program were hired on and then fired immediately. They also report that actually the only people who have jobs having completed the MindMinds coding bootcamp are Marvin Locker and Josh McNett. Has anyone been able to find a job outside of MindMinds? My fifth question. If the state of Pennsylvania sent a cease and desist letter to MindMinds for operating without a license, why didn't they simply apply for a license? Why did they close up shop and move to West Virginia? factor that continues to drive students to nonprofit universities despite the high cost and the poor payoff is trust. Students and parents who are willing and able to pay for tuition trust public universities to provide them with a good education. Nonprofit educators simply don't defraud their students to anywhere near the same degree as for-profits. So when a coding bootcamp comes along that is offered for free, potentially includes an agreement for employment upon a graduation and is located in an economically distressed region, you really would hope that you can trust them. You'd really hope that they mean what they say and nothing shady is going on. Because if it works for them, maybe it could work elsewhere too. Maybe students would be better equipped to pursue their education without worrying whether or not they've already been defrauded. Right now, I hope I can trust MindMinds. I would hope that any willing learners who want to improve their socioeconomic situation would be able to meet with the companies that are hungry for jobs. But the story of MindMinds fits a pattern. They potentially share a striking amount of details with other confirmed for-profit frauds, like operating without a license, benefiting from federal funds, clearly miscommunicating with at least some of their students, and generating a good deal of negative press. Multiple parties from different locations have levied the same claims against them. A reasonable person might conclude they're too good to be true. I think there's a chance that these guys aren't who they say they are. I also think that there's a chance that they got gamed by the system. I think that through a long process comprised of disenchanted ex-learners meeting with underpaid and overworked journalists, in an economically depressed region in the country, it's possible that a seriously negative and untrue narrative of these guys got out. And a lot of people liked it better than the good narrative. Burst is produced as a collaboration between eLearning Inside News and CKUT 90.3 FM. A full transcript of this episode can be found at eLearningInside.com, along with numerous links and other resources from which I gathered my information. 
I put this story together with help from Evan Dent, Julia Isler, and Tamara Filiovich, who is the Arts and Culture Coordinator at CKUT. Katrina Gibbs designed our logo. Noemi Bourbonnet helped me out with the editing process. And all the sweet music you heard throughout the program comes from Daniel Monkman, who is currently playing under the name Bloom. His LP containing these songs is forthcoming. My name is Henry Kronk. Tune in next week, and I'm going to go over the origin stories of Mind Minds. I'm going to talk about how they formed, speak with a learner who participated in their first run of their coding boot camp, and then compare his experience to what other students reported later. Thanks for listening.